You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From Locked On Jets Podcast World Headquarters, this is the Locked On Jets Podcast. It is Friday, April 12th, 2019. This is your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Great to have you with us today. We talk about the New York Jets. On today's show, we will have Tony Pauline, the draft analyst, joining us to talk about the upcoming 2019 NFL Draft. But before we get to that, we have a little bit of news as the Jets make a signing. We're now in the late free agency period where signings kind of trickle in here or there. And you're not talking big money players. You're not talking big time players. You're talking about guys who are not necessarily going to move the needle a ton, but guys who maybe can play a small role here or there. And the Jets signed one on Thursday, or they agreed to terms with one. I'm not sure whether the paperwork's all done yet at the time we're recording this, but the signing will take place soon enough and that is Ty Montgomery a name you may remember from his time with the Green Bay Packers and then briefly with the Baltimore Ravens last year after he was traded from Green Bay and I will say a move that I think makes a lot of sense a very a move that I think makes sense because I think he's a really good fit for what the Jets need you know Montgomery is a running back on the in, the in your program, but he's more of kind of a running back wide receiver hybrid. He actually was drafted as a wide receiver out of Stanford and then moved to moved to, to the backfield uh, when Green Bay suffered some injuries a couple of years ago. He actually usually wears a number in the 80s. He was number 88 in Green Bay, everywhere running back who wears number 88 because he came into the league, drafted as a third, former third-round pick as a wide receiver, kind of converted. And how, how I view it as this is that Le'Veon Bell, Jets are giving him the big money, He's going to get most of the carry. He's not going to, this is not going to be one of those situations where you have a tandem. This is not a situation where you have one guy go in, one guy go out. Le'Veon Bell is going to be a three down back for this football team. He's going to get a lot of carries. So what you need is a guy who can step in when Bell just needs a rest, when he's tired, when he's exhausted, step in for a snap here or there. And Montgomery is not a heavy usage guy. He's not a guy, you know, you're going to give the ball to a ton. He's not a guy who's going to expect to get the ball a ton. So he'll, he'll help in that sense. He's essentially, you know, he's not a guy who's, going to be less effective because he's getting not enough because he's not getting a lot of carries. There are some guys out there who, you know, rhythm runners who need a lot of carries to be effective. Otherwise they can't. Montgomery's not like that. He's a guy who you know, will be effective on a handful of carries and he's, he's been efficient in his career as average per carry is close to five yards, very effective. And again, he's a guy who started as a wide receiver. And, you know, even if the guy, even if a guy's not a good wide receiver, a guy who converts who has receiver skills playing running back is going to be, a well above average receiver at his position. You know, that, that's how it's kind of how it goes. There, there aren't many, even, even a failed receiver is going to be a good receiving back because there aren't many running backs with that kind of background. Uh, so he'll be, he'll help the team in that sense. And I would not be surprised, maybe see a few packages with him and Bell both on the field at the same time. I think that certainly could be something the Jets could exploit guys who are both capable of getting handoffs or maybe lining up in the slot, catching a pass. So I think from that, in that sense, He's a guy who makes who's a good fit for the Jets. I think it's a it's a solid move. I don't think it's the type of move that's going to turn this, you know, who's going to add, you know, three extra wins to the Jets total at the end of the year, but I think he's a guy who can fit, fill his role well. I think he'll he'll fill his role. He's a guy who can fill his role capably and you know, he maybe he can help in the kick return game. You know, he was not a great kick returner. That's the only thing is maybe he's he'll probably be in the mix to win the return job, replace Andre Roberts. I'm not sure that's his fit though. He has not been a great return guy in his career. In fact, he's 
the trade from Green Bay to Baltimore came after he fumbled away a big kickoff. Uh, so maybe, you know, maybe who knows? Andre Roberts's resume was not spectacular when the Jets signed him a year ago. So maybe Montgomery can help out there. In any event, uh, our main focus of the show today is the draft, and we have Tony Pauline, who runs the Great Draft Analyst website, uh, here to talk about what the Jets, what we can expect from the Jets here in the 2019 NFL Draft, the upcoming draft. And so let's jump into our discussion with Tony. He runs the Great uh, Draft Analyst website, Tony Pauline. Uh, Tony, welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us again. Uh, The Jets own the third overall pick in the uh, 2019 NFL draft but before we get to the Jets we'll kind of set the table for what's going to be waiting for them Arizona has the first pick so is it a done deal right now that Arizona is taking Murray well you never want to say it's a done deal I mean uh, two weeks out from the draft but I I think it'd be a major shock if they go in any direction other than uh, Kyler Murray you know I reported from the combine that uh, Cliff Kingsbury the coach said that it was a done deal they were going to take Kyler Murray with the top pick of the draft although I did say if people read the story that I'm not you know I don't know that uh, Cliff Kingsbury has the final say but somebody who was there when Cliff Kingsbury made that comment said to me listen if you're going to hire a coach like Cliff Kingsbury which is a questionable hire to begin with you better make sure you give him all the tools that he feels is necessary and he feels comfortable with to win at the next level uh, or everyone's going to get fired. And we all know how Cliff Kingsbury feels about Kyler Murray. So I, I think right now it'd be a major shock if they go in a direction other than Kyler Murray. So that brings us to San Francisco at two. So where do you see the 49ers going? Do you see Bosa, Quinn and Williams, Allen, someone else? Um, I think uh, San Francisco is going to look to trade down a uh, couple things. They've gone uh, defensive line heavy three of the last four drafts in, in round one and two of them were top 10 picks. They did have a need of pass rusher, and in the offseason they traded for, you know, last month they traded for D. Ford, uh, so they filled their pass rushing need. Uh, I think uh, they're going to try and trade down. If they can't trade down, then they will take uh, Nick Boza with that second pick because the contract that they signed D. Ford to is a team-friendly contract, and they can basically get out of it after one year. It's not going to cost them that much money. So uh, I think if they if they sit put <clears> – <throat> They're going to take uh, Nick Bosa. Otherwise, I, I expect them to broach the topic or, or, or look to trade down. And then that brings us to the Jets, who right now own the third overall pick. Uh, right now, one of the big questions in the fan base is, should we expect the Jets to keep the pick, or are the Jets likely to trade down? What are you hearing on that front? I think the Jets are going to do all they can to trade down. <clears throat> if I do a podcast called the Draft Analyst Podcast, and – uh, the one, most recent one that was just uh, released, all the information I'm getting is the Jets are almost desperate to trade down for a couple of reasons. You know, number one, uh, in the offseason, all we heard was that the Jets had, you know, were millions of dollars under the salary cap and they were going to spend all this money. And they really needed to come out of free agency with two things, a pass rusher and a starting center. And they got neither. Uh, so really, when you look at the roster, there are so many holes. Obviously, pass rush has been in need for a long time now. They need a starting center. They need upgraded the left tackle spot. They need a starting cornerback. Uh, they need depth at running back and receiver. Uh, so really, they didn't come out of <clears throat> excuse me. They didn't come out of free agency with much except for Le'Veon Bell, and we can go back and forth on that one. Uh, but there's so many needs. I think, and the fact that they don't have a second round pick uh, based off of the trade last year to move up and get uh, Sam Darno, although as Jet fans probably know. 
second-round picks have not worked out for the organization for the past uh, 25 years. Only a few of them have, but most of them haven't. You know, I think they're in a spot where they need a lot of players. Uh, this is a make-or-break year for Mike McCagnin. Uh, the, the coaching staff, even though it's in its first year, it's going to have to win. Uh, so I, I think they're going to do all they can to trade down to get extra selections because they need so many, so many players. They've got to fill so many holes. Might be an obvious question, but I'll ask anyway. Which teams do you think are potential partners for a trade with the Jets? Well, if we're going to do this, we, we have to assume that uh, San Francisco doesn't trade down. Because let me backtrack a bit. If San Francisco trades down, it's probably going to be to a team that really wants uh, one of the quarterbacks, uh, in this case, Dwayne Haskins, which means that Nick Boza would fall in the Jets' lap, and I'm sure that they would jump all over Nick Boza, understandably so. As far as teams that could trade up, I mean, obviously the Giants to secure one of the quarterbacks to hop ahead of uh, the Oakland Raiders, uh, maybe the Denver Broncos. Uh, you could get a little bit deeper if a team like Washington is really chomping at the bit to get Dwayne Haskins. They may want to move up. Uh, so I, I would say right now the hands-on favorite would be the Giants to assure themselves of Dwayne Haskins to get, jump ahead of uh, the Oakland Raiders. I know there's been a lot of talk, some of it disparaging about Dwayne Haskins, but I still think he's the highest-rated quarterback in this draft. I love his upside. I love his game. Uh, and I think he'd be a perfect selection for the New York Giants. They could sl- they'd take him around one. They could have Eli Manning finish out his career uh, with the franchise and then basically move on to Dwayne Haskins in 2020. And, uh, you know, obviously understanding that it depends on who their trade partner is, how far they're moving back. But do you, th- you think the Jets-, Jets' primary objective is just to get back into the second round? I mean, obviously they would love like one of those King's Ransoms deals you've seen in past years for quarterbacks, but – you think if they just take a, fair, a deal that's like fair value, even if it's not something that totally blows your door off? Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, back in 2000, what was it, 2015, I, I was in the Jets uh, facility in Florham Park because I did a spot for them on their website. And that was the Leonard Williams year. And I, I, I mentioned how uh, there was a very good chance that Leonard Williams would slide down to the Jets uh, spot. They had the sixth pick that year because I was hearing – word that Brandon Scharf, the Washington Redskins, would take Brandon Scharf. And basically, I was asked, you know, what did the Jets do if, they, if Leonard Williams slides down to him? Because at the time, they had Sheldon Richardson, they had Muhammad Wilkerson, you know, they had some good players on the defensive line. They really didn't need another defensive tackle. And I said, well, number one, you look to trade the pick. Uh, if, if you can't get good value, uh, then you take Leonard Williams. And what Mike McCagney said afterwards were, was that they had received some offers, but they didn't think that the value of the offers was good enough uh, when, you, when you basically compared it to the player uh, that they were looking at, Leonard Williams. I don't think that's the situation this year. I think the Jets would accept less to move down to get extra selections. I mean, is it possible that they can move down multiple times? Yeah, we've seen that before. I think they would do that as well. Um, the, more the, the more picks the Jets could get, the better it is for the organization. I don't think they would hold out for a King's Ransom. I think that they would take, you know, a reasonable deal or maybe less than market value, if you will, to trade down. That's the feeling I'm getting from people I've spoken with uh, who are basically know what's going on in Florham Park. And in the ideal world, the first pick, I'm assuming, would be head rusher and the second pick would be center for based on what you're saying? Yeah, I, from what I'm told, is, is it is offensive line, uh, pass rushers and offensive linemen the priority. So... I think if they're sitting there at three and they can't trade out 
and it's a uh, decision between Josh Allen of Kentucky or Quentin Williams of Alabama. Even though Quentin Williams is a much higher-rated player, I think they go with Josh Allen. And I'm told that they're not sold on Josh Allen. They're not really sold on any of the pass rushers except Nick Boza. So I think they take uh, Josh Allen. As far as round three, I mean, what centers would be available? What offensive linemen would be available? I don't think Eric McCoy of Texas A&M is going to be there. I don't think Elton Jenkins of Mississippi State is going to be there. And really, uh, Garrett Bradbury of North Carolina State is likely to end up uh, in the late part of round one. So really, after those three guys, it is a significant drop-off. Maybe you're talking about Michael Jordan of uh, Ohio State, although he's got, uh, you know, he's, he needs a lot of polish on his game. Some people think at six foot six he's going to be a tackle rather than a center. I still have him great as a center. But really, after your top three guys, Garrett Bradbury, Elton Jenkins, and Eric McCoy, it is a significant drop-off at the center position, and you're going to have to have uh, another pick between – the 20th selection of round one and the 50th selection of round two to grab one of those guys. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. Obviously, one of the big needs for the Jets is at the corner position. It's probably not a position they're going to address in the early rounds. Um, you, when you think round three and beyond, are there any names you have in mind, potential sleepers out there for the Jets? Well, I, I will say this. <clears throat> Depending on how far they trade down, in round one, or whatever the kind of compensation they get. If they have a pick in the mid to late part of round one, I do think that they would take Grady Williams because he'd be a perfect fit uh, for the Greg Williams uh, defense. Uh, I think he'd be a day one starter. I think he's got a great amount of upside. But, you know, more to, to answer your question, there'll be some solid players there in the, uh, in the third round. David Long of Michigan, 5'10 and a half, 196 pounds, ran 4'4'5 at the Combine, a really terrific developing player. If you're looking for a bigger corner in that round three area, uh, Lonnie Johnson of Kentucky, 6'2", 213 pounds, uh, played uh, outstanding during Senior Bowl week, uh, ran 4'5'2 at the Combine. Amani Araye, I know I'm going to butcher his last name, I apologize, from Penn State, 6'1 and a half, 204 pounds, 4.47 seconds in the 40 at the Combine. Definitely a, a player that would fit that uh, Greg Williams type of system. Really good on film. Did not have a good senior bowl week, but really looks good on film. I have him as a third-round selection. He could fall into the fourth round. So there will be some bigger cornerbacks there for them in that third, fourth-round area that they can, uh, they can come away with. Who, guys, I think that, uh, you know, maybe nickelbacks, uh, early in their in their NFL career, and then could develop into starters. There are any potential late round guys you're hearing the Jet, Jets are linked to at the moment? Um, right now, no. I know they had David Montgomery, the running back from Iowa State, in the facility on uh, Thursday for Thursday and Friday for an official visit. Granted, he's going to be a second round selection. Uh, I'm not hearing really off the top of my head, anyway. Uh, any late-round guys uh, that they, they're looking at right now in the 6th or 7th round. When you get in the 6th and 7th round, basically what teams usually do is uh, they go off their board, but they're looking for measurables. They're looking for the guys, the, the linebackers that are 6'2 six, 6'3", two 240 pounds, and running the 4'6s. They're looking for the receivers that are six foot tall, 200 pounds, and running the 4'4s. The measurables, the computer numbers, really come into play in the later rounds because at that point in time what they're looking for is – most teams, anyway, are looking for good athletes that they can develop into football players. Makes sense. Um, more general 
general terms, you know, as we get to the late rounds of the draft, which position groups do you think are the strongest this year in this in the class of 2019? Uh, in the later rounds, I, I mean, it's going to be a good defensive line class uh, all the way through the uh, all the way through the draft. But once you get into that fifth, sixth round area. I mean, you're going to have some decent inside linebackers. Don't know that Jets are going to really look at inside linebacker after the uh, contract that they gave to uh, C.J. Mosley. Um, you're going to have some decent defensive ends, guys like Carl Granderson of Wyoming, who I think would be a good fit for the Jets. Uh, so you you may be able to come away with a a third tight end for the Jets, a Trayvon Wesco of West Virginia. That may be a uh, 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 something to consider in, in the later rounds. And just to close out, I'm just interested, you know, your thoughts, just what you're hearing about the views of the, on the Jets, what they did in the free agency period. Well, I mean, I wish it was positive because I am a Jet season ticket holder. Um, but, you know, even I spoke with somebody in San Diego today and, you know, people just wonder what the Jets are doing. I go back to the fact that, you know, they had all you got to go back to really when they picked the coach. You know, everyone's talking up Adam Gase right now. I'm going to like Adam Gase. Adam Gase was a failure in Miami. I mean, that's the bottom line. They wanted Matt Rule. They didn't get Matt Rule because he wanted to pick his assistant coaches. Uh, Mike McCartney wanted a job. Again, Mike McCartney didn't come here because the Jets wanted to pick his assistant coaches. They basically wanted Greg Williams here as, uh, as their defensive coordinator. They got Greg Williams, but the question I have is, you know, there were a lot of red flags with Greg Williams in Cleveland, specifically with his son, Blake Williams, uh, who, while teams, uh, the, the players loved uh, Greg Williams in Cleveland, they would run through a wall for him. They were not too fond of his son, and basically the son, Blake Williams, comes with Greg Williams. And sure enough, the son is here with, uh, Blake, with uh, Greg Williams and the Jets. I mean, Cleveland, Greg Williams turned that Cleveland uh, team around the second half of the season, yet when it was time to pick a coach, they didn't even consider Greg Williams, and you've got to wonder why that is. Um, so they, they, they uh, signed Adam Gase, and again, you go to free agency, they needed a pass rusher. It wasn't overall, it was not a good free agent class, except there were a lot of good pass rushers, and the Jets came away with nothing. Uh, you can't blame them for what happened with Anthony Barr. I, I mean, that, that was just bad luck. Uh, but you've got to wonder, you know, was Anthony Barr the best pass rusher? There were a lot of other players available to them. They didn't get Matt Paradis, the center, although there was a lot of talk that they liked him. And Paradis was in New York the first day of free agency because he was already signed a contract with the New York Jets. So, you know, and then they signed Le'Veon Bell, which I thought was a situation where the Jet, for the Jets and both Le'Veon Bell, it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation. After what happened with Anthony Barr and, and then not signing Matt Paradise, the Jets had to make some sort of splash in free agency. So they went with Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell – had to sign with the Jets because the suitors were falling by the wayside, and he would have looked really foolish because uh, if he took a contract less than the Jets, even though he said a few months earlier he had no interest in playing in the Jets. And then, you know, I spoke with people, and they don't know how the Le'Veon Bell is going to fit with the Jets system in the sense that Adam Gase likes to run an outside zone type of blocking running game where Le'Veon Bell is more of a in-between-the-tackle power gap runner. So, I mean, it's basically you want to try and be positive, but I don't know there's a lot to be positive about. You hope that Sam Darnold progresses. Obviously, Jamal Adams uh, has a bright future. 
I thought they did a great job with Chris Herndon last year. They really seemed to mine some gold there. You hope Robbie Anderson continues to improve. You hope C.J. Mosley comes in and uh, basically uh, is the glue to that defense. But, again, I mean, you, you, you don't have a pass rush yet. You, you're, down a, you're missing a starting corner. You need a starting corner. I just, uh, I, I, you know, I guess the best thing to say is hope for the best but expect the worst. Yeah, and, you know, you, like you say, hope for the best. And, I mean, I'll tell you, Tony, you are the third person who's told me that has raised something about Greg Williams' son. Like, I've heard this from multiple people, so it seems to be something that's just across the league. Well, and let me tell you something. I'm being – I'm tempering what I know about Blake Williams. I'm being yeah. very kind because I can go off what people have told me. Uh, I don't want to do that, but it's just not good. And like I said – you know, the players in Cleveland would run through walls for Greg Williams, and it could not be any more opposite when it came to his son, Blake Williams. Yeah, like everybody I know in the league has something to say about this guy. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll try and end this negativity. Tony, thank you so much for joining. Great, great information, as always. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back next week to talk more draft and talk more Jets.